0: Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minutes bonus weekend Patreon episodes. I think that's what they're called.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah, working title. Working title.
0: It'll be a working title forever. 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 Um, So today, we're going to be talking about, um, what comic book are we talking about today?
1: Today, we're going to be talking about the very great, in my opinion at least, Transformers versus G.I. Joe. I... I think it's, yeah, I think great is okay i I love it, I love it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the artist and the writer, um by the way, the book is written by Tom Sioli and uh John Barber as well. you're um, a big fan of Tom Sioli, Sioli Sioli, whichever you say that again, he's the writer
0: and the artist, yeah, then who's the other guy? John Barber, and what is he? One of the writers Oh, okay, okay, so two writers, one artist, and Sioli is mostly the creator of this. Of this book, I'm not saying like GI Joe and Transformers. I'm saying like this book. He's he's pretty much like I would. Yo, say this so. is my baby. Yeah, I would say so. All right, cool, cool. Um, I don't know much about Tom Sawyerly, but I've only heard of him through you. Yeah. Um, is this book? Is this how you kind of found him? Like, it was like, how did you discover Tom Sawyer? Because you worked in the comic book uh, industry mm-hmm. in 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 a sense. Um, so how how did you fall
1: into like this? I fell into Tom's work through um, through Mike, uh, the other. What do we call him? Um, contributor, the other guy that's on here. Sometimes that that one does. other guy. Yeah, the <laughs> one other guy. Um, Mike showed me a uh, a book called Godland by him, which I actually have right in front of me there, and uh, that was, uh, to say the least, an eye opener. Um, not just in, you know, reading comic books, but. Uh, Man, it, it blew my mind It uh, made me think <laughs> I know that there's um There's a uh, There's a school, I can't remember what it is It's probably bad information But there's a professor that's actually Has an excerpt at one of the ends of one of the Godland books And he actually teaches uh, That book in his curricula, curriculum Curriculum Curric- <laughs> <laughs> He teaches it in his classes And um, Once I learned that I, I kind of had Not had to, but I wanted to start paying attention to it more. So Mm -hmm. I like restarted the series. And uh, at that time, I was, gosh, I was already in maybe like the fifth book or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go back and actually take it as a textbook stance. Yeah. Kind of sort of thing.
0: That's a... Whenever you hear comic books or even superheroes or anything that like we liked reading, even though it kind of reads at a fifth grade level, when people take that to the next level and they they take it into college territory and stuff like that that's when you you feel a sense of like yo there might be like it validates your your questioning of hey this might be a big a bigger deal than than we're thinking you know like yeah um we've interviewed many people who have phds or they actually teach at universities superheroes and they've been on our dc cinematic minute podcast and it's like those people, whether they like the films or not, like they're at least validating, like that there is, that there is, uh, there is room to to analyze it further. Yeah, than look, just saying like, oh, you guys are
1: reading comic books. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, a comic book is still a piece of literature, and it took me, I don't know, a long while to actually realize that. Mm-hmm. But Tom's work in Godland was one of the things that pushed me over the edge for that. Um, you know, of course, I always took, like, you know, the Batman books that I read in more of, like, a noir detective kind of setting and, like, problem-solving kind of way. It was always fun to think of it, like, what would Batman do? But then the way that Tom writes, uh, I'm calling him by his first name, the way that he writes um, is sometimes, like, it's it's just straight out of a, a textbook. I don't know how else to explain it. It's It's not just, like speech bubbles that are spewing out exposition or, oh, look out, that's, you know, that punch is coming right for your face. No, it's like he's describing everything that's happening Mm -hmm. emotionally, on the page, you know, visually that you're seeing, and even what the character is like thinking or feeling. Uh, Inner monologues aren't really, I don't think have been a big thing for Sayolis in his work, but when it happens, it's so profound that the regular speech bubbles definitely, like, you know, can match up with that and at the same gusto, if you yeah. will. I'm glad you brought up the Batman thing with
0: being, like, because, you know, the whole detective aspect in that that really pushes the literature in comic books because it was New 52's Batman-Scott Snyder run that was, like, to me, that that really elevated, like, when I was reading Superman Earth-1... That's when I was like, "Oh wow, these comic books are still they still have so much um so much heart to them." I was going to say emotion. yeah, one yeah, yeah. is really emotional. Yeah, like in and that they can be so full of like uh, engaging material. Yeah. But it, Scott Snyder's um Batman to me pushed literature. Like you're saying yeah. because to me I was reading it and I went, "Wow, this is involving. I feel yeah. like I'm reading um, like my grandfather's like Tom Clancy books or something, something that like felt like, like I wasn't seeing the turn coming. Like, and, and that's good when you read a comic book and you're surprised by it. Oh, all the time. Um, it happens. I think it's, it's more, um, it's, it's easier to, to pick out the plot points in shows nowadays. Um, and, and, like, every now and then, like, a TV show, I can guess what the turns that are coming. Yeah. Like, I see it happening. Like, I can pick apart this. I haven't even seen the, like, rest of the show, and I already know how this is going to go down. Mm-hmm. But Scott Snyder's Batman, like, it was so well written that you, like, you weren't expecting what was up next. And yeah. and they did an amazing job with that. And that, to me, is when you make a good comic book. Like, yeah. when you show that you can you can go beyond the, the fifth grade you know reader comprehension like
1: um is that what it's classified as? like a fifth comic books or fifth grade yeah really? like
0: that's what i'm trying to say is like what is it called like um misconception yeah like that like that fifth. oh like oh comic books are you're you're just reading like fifth grade reader type oh you're just stuff. looking at pictures and stuff yeah like, whoa, like you're I'm reading on a reading. fifth grade level yeah. and it's like you know sometimes you know with the right artist who gives a shit, like we can get past that point. We can prove that comic books and like I don't know how similar is Godland to uh his Transformers versus GI Joe book. In dialogue, you mean? Well, just you, you said you you started with Godland, that's how you found him out. Yeah. And then when you read Transformers versus GI Joe, it furthered your love for him or was it like are they different would you recommend?
1: Um, it's a little different because Godland was a completely new territory for me Mm -hmm. it's um it's it's an it it's center this isn't the godland podcast but um it centers around a uh a a guy named adam archer who is essentially a superhero Mm -hmm. in his world and um it goes into other bigger parts of the story in on like the cosmic level you know not all the problems are happening on earth like you got to realize that earth is just a one blip of existence in the, you know, reality of the cosmos, Mm -hmm. and that's what made me, like, dive into the actual, uh, you know, philosophy of what what was being said in the dialogue in Godland, Mm -hmm. how it was about this man-facing cosmic beings and realizing that mankind is just the beginning of what we can be, and Adam Archer was, like, that bridge between cosmos and mankind. He was, like, the first you know, uh, enlightened being, I guess, if you will. And Transformers and G.I. Joe was different because those were two franchises growing up as a kid that I, those were my jam. Like, I, I, I had the toys, I watched they're the TV are easy to show. understand, like, I, each individual franchise. It just Yeah, it came naturally to me because it was so, like, I just, I mean, I know all the characters, I know what they're going through, what's happening. And then, you know, putting them both together, they've always there. There have been GI Joe versus Transformer books in the past. You know, IDW has had those you know franchises for a very long time yeah. in their book series, and Tom's was like way more than just the Joes fighting the Autobots yeah, and the Decepticons. I, like that's it was crazy, and the eye opener was, uh, yeah. To go back to what you were saying, I would say that Godland and, and Transformers versus GI Joe are on the same level. It's hard to rank Tom Sayoli's uh, oh yeah. not, books in I'm my not opinion, you to rank. but like um, I think they're all on the same level. Even American Barbarian, right here in front of us as well, is still like on that level, um, engaging wise. You know what I mean? He he. Um, in in the book Transformers versus GI Joe. He does still push
0: and play with the mythology of, of yeah. both franchises, so I think it's really good for someone who wants to get into maybe some other works by like Tom Scioli. And like you know, if you're not ready for Godland, you can start <laughs> with Transformers versus GI Joe. Oh yeah, for because sure. it's like, okay, you love those two franchises, check, check. But he does play with the mythology enough for you to kind of expand yourself into, like, his literature, like, kind of, like, baby steps into it. Yeah. And then once you can handle that, you
1: can get into Godland, and then, like, all right, let's get into some shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this series was actually coming out and new when I was working at the store, and... Um, when did this come out? Oh, geez, uh, 2013-ish? No, 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 no. The first one came out in 2000... Uh, oh, gosh, maybe 15, if I'm wrong on that. I should probably look it up. by the computer in front of me. Um... I can just look on the back. They don't probably say it. No, anyway, I'll get back to it. But it was always a book, uh, that I would push to people, not because I was trying to bring sales up or anything. It was honestly my favorite thing on the shelf at the time.
0: That's how you should sell. It's exactly Write That down. (laughs) You should never sell to sell. You always like selling technique is always like, Hey,
1: I like, you Eh. know, inside that you need this book. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Good selling technique. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was always just someone would come to me and be like, hey, I want, you know, I want something new to read. It's like, okay, uh, you know, you don't want Batman or Superman or whatever. And I would always ask, be like, hey, do you know G.I. Joe or do you know Transformers? Like, do you like them? Mm -hmm. You can always gauge someone, you know, their interest. And a lot of times there are people that were subscribing to the Transformers uh, main series that I would just be like, hey, you like Transformers? You like it enough that you're actually subscribing to this monthly issue and, and you're getting all of them and stuff? You like Transformers? You might not have knowledge on G.I. Joe, but pick up this book. It will blow your mind. Yeah. And and you're still not like
0: you're not doing the the typical comic book guy thing where it's like, oh, you should definitely check out Black Science if you oh, want. Yeah. And it's like baby steps, man. Baby yeah, steps. Yeah. Like you can do Transformers versus G.I. Joe and like stay in your wheelhouse, but at the same time you're a little bit expanding your horizon and it's it's enough to be enough. It's like, yeah, I want to try some new stuff. But I'm not ready to like just jump overboard. And, and I w- yeah, I think this. Book I agree. It's perfect for that. And um, you, I mean,
1: and you, we only we're only talking about I guess the first volume in this, which is you know I think issues only one through six maybe. Um, but I'm probably wrong on all and these it's numbers. it's still such say. a thick book. But yeah, it's still it's more than half of it is actually like not more than half of it. The last end a good amount is like the cover the the variant covers and such mm-hmm. but then they also have the commentary did you get a chance to look at the commentary on that i the did back? not read the commentary Man, i want to almost give this back to you so you can go back and read <laughs> the commentary cuz it's it's phenomenal I actually bring up some parts of that uh usually when we're it does not commentary included in comic i books. know it's insane cuz it's commentary from from everybody it's commentary from tom from john and uh, one of the editors as well yeah and uh, it's a
0: beautiful book like even visually like even like Let's say you you pass on the literature. Like like you do try to just like skim through it as I kind of did. But it's like, It's so beautiful, and we'll get to why it is. But yeah, you you mentioned like sometimes people don't know about GI Joe,
1: but most people know about Transformers. So (laughs) I mean, you could go either way with that. Some people know about GI Joe, some people don't know about Transformers. Well, uh,
0: how how far does uh, how how far uh, how deep is your love for Transformers?
1: Transformers runs deep. I they both run pretty deep. I think I have a more stronger grasp on Transformers than G.I. Joe I don't but know but like Jack shit about yeah G. 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 like Joe. I know I know a lot about G.I. Joe like and I didn't realize I knew a lot or and that much names, about G.I.
0: Joe I think
1: yeah like for some reason there's like who's um, the Lady Hydra type lady what Lady Hydra type lady isn't there like a Cobra lady but
0: she's like Baroness a, yeah there you go. <laughs> Lady Hydra yeah she's um, like
1: the Lady Hydra of G.I. Joe okay there's there's a good reference there Um, yeah, so I think, I I don't want to downplay my G.I. Joe knowledge, but Transformers, it it tips more into the Transformers bucket than it does the G.I. Joe, Mm -hmm. um, but again, when I didn't realize how much I knew about G.I. Joe until I was reading this book, and I was just like, oh, oh yeah, duh, oh, that looks just like him, how'd they get that? Wow, that looks amazing, and I think... (laughs) Most of my knowledge comes from the toys, as they were. These were two franchises that were just strictly toys that became TV shows from them. I don't think I... I never owned
0: a Jejo action figure. Yeah. I owned one He-Man figure, and that was Skeletor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've owned a lot of Transformers toys. I actually brought four of them with me yeah. to kind of tinker around, because I love... I don't know, whenever I'm doing a podcast, I'm tinkering with shit, so oh, I figured right if I'm going to record, I'm going to bring something I can tinker with that's relevant, and uh, I brought four of my favorite Transformer action figures, or just characters, really, um, holding my favorite Transformer right now, Soundwave, um, but I brought the other four. I brought Megatron, Shockwave, and uh, Starscream. Yep, there so, you go. Yeah. It's
1: cool that like you're holding Shockwave right now? I'm holding Soundwave. Oh, Soundwave, and he's like in a... He's and in he's, truck and truck mode. he's in and he's in car mode, which is you know he not has. this n- not normal for Decepticons. Yeah.
0: He actually uh, so this one he can turn into regular Soundwave like robot form, mm-hmm. and then truck mode. But then there's like a a secret one that's not included, but
1: you can turn him into a boombox, and I've done it before. Yeah, that's the that's like, that's what I, I yeah. had. My yeah. my Soundwave was the boombox with the with laser beak on him and yeah. everything. So that was. I wonder if I still I have I have a lot of toys in this attic that were in the house of or my mother's house recording so there's a lot of toys in there I probably should have brought them down yeah a lot of my GI Joes were um um I think most of the ones that I saved were a lot of like the generic they weren't the actual characters but they were the Mm -hmm. newer age GI Joes. so it was pretty much a Ken doll with you know the fabric clothes but they were you know one of them was an MP one of them was a desert storm guy and it was Mm -hmm. like that they weren't the actual characters I guess they were they were all Duke in well, a see, sense like, with different outfits. See,
0: that's the thing with GI Joe. It's like uh, the the hero group. Mm-hmm. The actual what what is their group called? Either? What do you mean? What is the what is the protagonist GI Joe group called? The Joes. The GI Joes. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm terrible at that. And like they all look generic to me. So I can't like reading the book. I was like, I need to know their names. Isn't like one named Hawkeye or something? No, <laughs> General
1: Hawk. Yeah, that there one. See,
0: I'm like, and it's like they all look almost the same and i'm like well they look different they look like action figures because they're all unique oh and yeah but it's like i can't remember their names i'll remember the the cobra mm-hmm. like uh fucking destro and yeah, yeah cobra yeah. and all that stuff um because they look cool but i yeah i can't do it with gi joe but that's not saying i don't like gi joe it's just i never i never got into them
1: yeah for some reason there was a while back um a few years ago a lot of more than a few years ago there was a uh, they were revamping like the cartoon series and um Adult Swim actually had a mini series on G i Joe that was really good if I should probably i think I have it I should probably give it to you if you're interested I remember them I remember when Transformers Prime
0: came out and they were like revamping oh, yeah. that show and oh, I was like man, I, and I was that. so surprised like I was like it was like that in Clone Wars that was like when TV was like getting to the point of like wait these shows. I can I can get into like cartoon shows still as a, as an adult and like still enjoy them. Um, these action figures actually raid at my parents' house as well for these little bad boys. These are from the uh, the War for Cybertron video. Yeah, game, that's what I figured. That's I why I, um, it,
1: that's why he's got a. That's why he's in car mode. Yeah, that's
0: why he's got a truck mode. Yeah. But yeah, I am. I'm so the the like the how would you say like the main group of Decepticons, which I'm like team megatron all the uh, team decepticon all the time with yeah. transformers um what do you mean by the main group they're like the commanders you got okay. megatron all right, all right, Soundwave, right. Shockwave, and starscream it's like my four favorite decepticons and they happen to be like this like they happen to be like uh i don't know what do you call that like the council like the the main group like about, the war room guys yeah the what, war room guys, are, are guys? like the yeah. you know like
1: <laughs> hitler and his like close buddies there's a title for that and i can't think of him drawing a blank yeah you know what i'm saying like
0: the the main group of of people um those have always been my favorite characters um they're all so unique and and so cool in in their own in their own way um but i I don't know i guess it's my love for cyberpunk it's my love for giant robots
1: that's what it is yeah
0: and it's like that's why transformers is always so cool to me um and then know. when you actually start playing around with Transformers, like action figures, it's like, it becomes a puzzle game incentive. And that's like, when, once I started getting actual buying Transformers and playing with them, it's like, wow, now I know why these were so successful. Because it's a game, and then, you know, the, the incentive is you get a cool toy out of it.
1: Yeah. So. It's true. Um, I love it. So, yeah, I mean, like, I guess I always watched, you know, I watched the two shows growing up as a kid. I was fortunate enough to have cable that actually broadcasted them. And um, for some reason, there's more G.I. Joe episodes that stick in my mind than there were Transformers. I couldn't tell you one G.I. Joe episode. (laughs) You know what really got me like... It's really silly to say, and it seems very cliche. Hmm. But what got me to like, re- like jog my memory of the actual episodes of the GI Joe things were those, like Fensler films when the GI Joes did the PSAs. Oh were- yeah, <laughs> I-, I remember those. Yeah, 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 those were really funny. But those were, I mean, I've always liked that animation style. Um, it, it just, it was good. They were two great franchises. One of them, you know, both of them revolved around war. And that's insane to think about. This was the 1980s, so it was like, you know, cartoons were still loose cannon and... uh, You can get away. You can get away with things. And, I mean, but, like, the the two franchises were about a waging war. Yeah, One of them was actual humans on Earth. The other one was giant robots, you know, that turned into something we're familiar with, cars and jets. Cool. But... And then
0: later, animals and... Oh, yeah, man. I mean, the,
1: the Transformers... Uh, Iteration What is I I, I guess that's the right word I don't know The Transformers Series You know Went on and on There was an insane amount Of them There was the Yeah uh, The Beast Wars And all that stuff Those were That was really popular When we were kids And Mm -hmm. I remember I had more action figures From the Beast Wars Than I did of Regular Transformers But yeah I mean Two great franchises I love them To death And um When I going back to the actual book and and, and Tom Saioli, like after reading Godland, um, and Godland was actually very early on in my formative comic book reading years. Um, Wait, early on? No, later on in in the formative years. Early on in the formative years, later on in actually reading comic books, let's say it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got hooked. On, on Tom Sawley's work, uh, you know, Godlane, he's actually the writer and the artist. It's just him on that, um, as well as American Barbarian. And uh, after that, I just had to follow everything that the guy did. And, uh, you know, I was at the shop and I remember, you know, seeing in the previews, you know, months ahead of time that Transformers vs. G.I. Joe is coming out and I I freaked out. I was I c- I couldn't believe it. I had no idea. It was... So at a left field for me I just wasn't paying attention and I I freaked out. And I th- I have every single single issue with their variant sitting in those boxes in that Oh, closet so you there. have the I have the, the whole series. The yeah. Cool. The only one I'm missing <laughs> and I have them single issues with most of their variants. I'm not going to say all of them, with most of their variants. Uh the trade paperbacks cuz they came out first and the only ones I don't have are like the big thick hardcover editions i think there maybe only is two of them maybe just one but godland i got all those man Whew, those puppies i had to get those are those are one of the closest thing to comic book bible that you can get in my opinion <laughs> so let's get into it yeah. um
0: right off the bat it starts off with like a classic star scream Chase and bumblebee type you know classic transformers like original 19 was it 1981 it came out or something like that? It was very early. 1982? Yeah, yeah. And um it's so good. I I'm telling you, man, I love Starscream. Uh it's Bumblebee's alright. He's an alright transformer for me. Um I grew up liking his like hot It's like Wally West of Barry Allen. Oh, see, here's the common misconception.
1: So, like
0: you know where I'm going
1: with you're this, going like, with Hotshot. Hot, Hotshot Shot was always, you know, that yeah. was the guy. Hotshot is not Bumblebee, but in when we, you know the series that we were watching and and the the stories that were coming out at the time, we kind of associated that they were the same, one and the same. That he it was, was always, well, it was yeah. the same person, but it really it wasn't. Bumblebee was always like, I think the Shia LaBeouf movies or uh, Michael Bay movies. <laughs> Um. Actually, you know, put him in the spotlight and made people remember that Bumblebee was like first. Yeah. B- like, hey, Bumblebee's hey first. Yeah, Bumblebee. Hey, remember Bumblebee? Remember Bumblebee? Like I know, like VW Bugs aren't cool anymore, but Bumblebee's still there. And uh, Hot Shot was always he was the cool guy. He was the cool car. That he was Wally West. Yeah. He, yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. So you know, Hot Shot more than more so than Bumblebee, but there always has been. Bumblebee was just the. The gosh darn antagonizer to the Decepticons, always. He was a guy that just went and poked around and, and that's, pissed people off. Yeah,
0: and that's how he is in like video games and stuff because it, it is very much like uh, when you play as Bumblebee in like War for Cybertron. It's like you get in, you get out. Yeah, you fucking is he a scout? Get, yeah, he's a scout type. Okay. So it's like you in your in car mode, you drive up, you come into the heat of it. You like it's like Tracer and Overwatch or any other like hunters in Destiny. It's like you pop in real quick. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you're done, transform into a car and zip on out. And you just like, and you keep doing that. You just, you're so pesky. And it's, and it makes sense that someone like Starscream is like, yo, I'm so annoyed right now. I'm going to just chase after you. Like classic Starscream, which I love that character. And I got to say, even in the Michael Bay films, Starscream was a character that I, I really enjoyed in, in that series. Like say what you will about the franchise. Like I get it. It is, it was what
1: it was um the michael bay movies yeah yeah, yeah. i still i still like them and that's like i don't know if it's a flaw of mine or not but i'm not gonna say it's a flaw i just like transformers and those were still like hey this is new age transformers let's go i mean i still watch like you said transformers prime came out i watched that transformers animated that was a kid show i watched that it was one that we were growing up as a kid um it was kind of like anime style i can't remember what it was um Transformers are, like, c- computer cgi but, like, the humans were anime. Yeah. What was that? What was that? I used to watch that a lot. Transformers Armada. Was it called Armada? Yeah, there was a trilogy.
0: So, like, there were three, and they would they Transformers does this a lot. They have, like, a trilogy of shows, and each one is called something else. There's a new one going on right now. Um, so, but, yeah, in the book... Um, I love that Tom Sawley does this thing. So, they they translate the the Transformer language, the Autobot language, yeah. or whatever they're called, and it's like it like has a, like a translation buzzing written in there, and then they start talking. I love that. I think that's so. Yeah, it's it's so small, but it's a small detail that I think is just. I I enjoy that a lot.
1: You know what really puts it in perspective is. Mm-hmm. Um, in the very same Michael Bay movies, um, I believe in the first one, when, like, I guess, uh, they do it a lot in, like, um, like Blackout, and Talks to Barricade, or whatever, they have like that electronic noise that's going off, and they Mm -hmm. have the subtitles, All Hell Megatron, or whatever, it's the same thing, because Transformers, when like they're talking, you know, they, it's always said, they learn their, they learn the language of, you know, humans, it's, They said in the movie where it's like you learn it on the internet or whatever, but they learn it like that. So, but you know, the Transformers sound and anything that sounds on Megatron is just beeps and boops, if you will. Yeah. (laughs) It's just just electric noise, it's static or whatever. Um, That's why I wanted to bring up the commentary earlier before because they go page by page almost because there's literally just so much. Honestly, it's really hard to. Describe to you listeners the beauty of this book through audio or, yeah, just through an audio medium. It's you really have to see it. I think we should make a cool post to have some great panels and splash pages from this series and put it up on the listener society so people can like take a look at it or whatever. Talking about it doesn't know justice, like you were saying. Everything's just beautiful, it's the little details that Tom puts into each and every page. That one makes him—he's right up there as my favorite artist. I—I um, I, I don't even know—he might be—he might actually be my favorite artist. And uh, you know, really, it's, yeah, it might be saying a lot or whatever. Because you know, Manipau and Capullo are always great, and and Kirby is always there. But that's why it's so good because it's so in the vein of Jack Kirby. It's almost like he's a crazy, weird clone of Jack Kirby, pen to paper. And they say that all the time when Godland was coming out, they were, you know, that he's a new Jack Kirby. Yeah, like people reviewing the book couldn't believe how amazingly close to Jack this guy was, and it's weird because it's not just the Kirby dots that he adds to it; it's just, you know, everything—the essence of it. The essence it's of it. It's the, yeah. it's
0: the blend of his his penciling and the literature, and like I said, he's playing with the mythology here of mm-hmm. both common franchises, which is what. Um, Kirby did with, you know, the DC superheroes and then later on with the, um, Marvel people. But yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. he does the same thing. It's it's a perfect, like, hey, I have a cool idea. Can I borrow your licenses? Yeah.
1: And then like and start a whole it, yeah. new thing and you just go, let's never get rid of that. I <laughs> do want to point out that the way you brought it up a lot, it's, you know, especially with the G.I. Joe, they look such like their action figure mm-hmm. counterpart or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom was able, he actually says it in the foreword for this, um, uh, special thanks to Ed Piscor, uh, Jason Lex, and Archibi, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm sorry, uh, for their loan of their collection of Transformers and G.I. Joe memorabilia for art and reference. So, like, this man, imagine him just going into someone's room, warehouse, wherever they have these things, flipping the lights on, and just a sea of action figures, and he just sits down and just... P- does exactly what you're doing he's playing with them he's
0: yeah he's look at this cool ass Soundwave. yeah does he, Soundwave not look like the coolest transformer ever
1: yeah, he does look pretty cool he's
0: so cool and
1: look he's got guns in his chest yeah go on nay i'm sorry no it's okay it's cool that they actually make his chest open in that yeah. i feel like that should be a staple in, in Soundwave. wave his chest you gotta should gotta always put open. This, he's, he's got to have that ca- that cannon on his shoulder mm-hmm. um but yeah like tom was able to just get all these action figures for reference. And it's amazing at how close they are when you're looking at them on the page. Uh, and it was one thing why I fell in love with the series because it was so familiar because I had these toys. You know, I watched their shows. I I knew the characters. I knew everything. And, you know, we're getting right into it. Like you said, it starts with, uh, you know, the Bumblebee and Starscream chase. You said you like, you like Starscream. I never liked Starscream. I love how...
0: Um, well, like I said, he's, he's, well, he's not my favorite, but it's like I love his uh, his pettiness. Yeah, he's. I it's mean, it's always like, nice he's, to have
1: that character. He's he's very smart. I think, if you will, most of the people will call him a coward or whatever, but he's the type of. Then again, I like General Grievous. Run away to fight another day. Yeah, it's like that's that's still a very smart thing to do. That's like that pirate mindset. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I think in the commentary they actually said that they didn't know if they should start out with uh, the Starscream and Bumblebee aspect. They were like, I couldn't remember if that was added later or if it was, you know, the beginning of it intentionally. But the first um, the first book really here is is kind of loosely based off of uh, G.I. Joe's number one, um, Lady Doomsday. And that is from 1982. And that's the story of cobra uh kidnapping some i think some nuclear scientist um nu- nuclear <laughs> uh and uh the whole thing is about the joes trying to you know infiltrate cobra and take back the scientist which in this book that's pretty much what that was i mm-hmm. think dr fenham is the uh the scientist in question in this book um but yeah i remember that john barber said that he based most of this book one off of that Lady Doomsday series going all the way back. That's G.I. Joe number one. So, already, like, you know. Is it based or does it continue? It doesn't continue. It's it's based off of it. This is all completely new. These aren't uh, reboots of any stories or anything like that. This is Tom's new story. He did say that he wanted, like, the first book was really heavy G.I. Joe. There was barely any, transformers in it at all which kind of is the main sense for like the first issue i think the only person you really see other than the bumblebee and starscream scene i think you only see starscream in the cobra lair cobra Law, if you will um yeah so you Tom, lost me what is that cobra Law? cobra Law is is the cobra one of the cobra headquarters i believe it was on the moon um, <laughs> that's cool I, I, I dig that yeah Oh, I don't think it was on the moon. I think it was just in like some desert. Facility. All right, now anyway, yeah, it was should have been it on the moon. A, I think it's on the moon. Don't quit. I'm I pretty think sure in this book. It's Maybe on the Megatron moon? lives on the moon. They always do that. Transformers always live on the moon. I think that's cool too. Yeah, it's it's awesome, right? That's why we don't need to go back. because There's a whole new Cybertron. Um, yeah. So, what is it? Uh, Star Screen. Okay. So Tom actually wanted the um, the GI Joe storyline to be. In his quote, more Hurt Locker ish, so early 2000s, mid or modern day war style, which is what the, um, that anime, uh, animated Adult Swim G.I. Joe miniseries was kind of like, in my opinion. It was, it was more modern, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know it was still like brass tacks gi joe you know cobra versus the more you the say Joes, the whatever. more i feel like i'm starting to remember that adult swim run i'm pretty sure there was a weather dominator part to it as well mm-hmm. um and it was like snowing a lot and i have like a
0: like a clip in my head i'm feeling i remember
1: there was actually like blood splatter and stuff i remember because they still use laser bolts but when people got hit it was like oh you got hit with, you know you're bleeding and whatever. Which. You know, I guess you can't play it on regular Cartoon Network yet. No, I'm just thinking of the
0: Robot Chicken episode where someone finally
1: dies and they go, oh, yeah, I guess we've had to put their name on the <laughs> wall finally. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it was really cool that um, John Barber actually, Tom actually says that John was the one to reel him in and bring it to more of a comic booky aspect for G.I. Joe's instead of it really hardcore war. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. What's, what's so interesting and so beautiful,
0: and I've I've noticed this with a lot of comic books, is, um, when they want to have, like, that vintage feel, because even back then, when it, you always get this sense of, um, the color, the color palette being not primary colors. Yeah. So, and I noticed that in this book. So, um... Very early Spider Man, or I think Spider Man is no Spider Man, like at Spider Man as of right now, is like red, it's back to red, blue, yellow colors. Um, but green, orange, and purple Mm -hmm. are so prevalent in vintage comic books. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if that was maybe just the style back then, or maybe it was easier to print in those colors or what, but. You notice it in this book. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of complementary colors, uh, like I said, green, orange, and purple. You'll see it a lot in old comic books. Spider-Man, every Spider-Man villain, their classic outfits are mostly green, but sometimes it can be purple and orange as well. Um, so like Hobgoblin, green, orange, purple. Almost I think about twelve Spider-Man villains are green. And in this book as well, like just the Transformers, the G.I. Joe colors, green, orange, purple, always. It's just repeated constantly. Yeah. And I don't know what that is, but that's such a, it's such a like, all right, you want to do a vintage comic book style? Like you want to capture that feel? Use those colors. Like it's such an easy way, like you can use that now as like a,
1: as a, you know, like, oh, just use those colors and it'll look vintage. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me to not, especially those green, orange, and purple automatically, and it's kind of going into this uh, later on in the series, but the October Guard always was that Mm -hmm. color scheme in G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe was always very green and brown, um, you know, blues and reds with uh, the Cobra and stuff, but when you throw in, like, the orange and, and, you know, the purples, and that was really the October Guard, but I'm looking behind you. My mom's got these Keith Haring paintings right here. Look at those colors. Those are beautiful. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking, yeah. so I'm away from the microphone. <laughs> Keith Haring, guys. If you don't know Keith Haring, look him up. He's a fantastic artist. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, look at the cover. It's like- Yeah, the cover's there, beautiful. There's no like, primary yellow. colors. Yeah,
1: <laughs> It's like, it's incredible. Yeah, they're barely. Um, yeah, w- bringing up one thing with the colors and actual, Tom's first layer, whenever mm-hmm. he does his drawings, it's in crayon. And that's amazing, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. to be that- uh, good in a lack of a better term is it crayon for for blocking purposes or is it crayon for like let me just pencils
0: oh it's just penciling and crayon yeah
1: i mean he goes over it with you know like thicker Mm -hmm. lines and everything like that for definition but it's imagine like a normal artist doing penciling at first Mm -hmm. is his crayon because i know artists when they
0: let's say like i'm i don't know i'm let me let me say I'm, i'm i'm drawing a person head to toe i'll do like pink chalk for like their head i'll do like orange for like the torso and then i'll do like purple for the legs the like the waist and down like i'm blocking the character like i know this is going to be the head and it's like um it's like buying a bunch of ice blocks and then you chainsaw it down to make like a figure Mm -hmm. so you're doing that with crayon as well but not in his case he's probably like full-on just like let me go ahead and draw a transformer in crayon yeah he could be doing and then going through line work to like Flush it out. I was
1: going to say, you got your phone on you. I know Tom Sawyer has an Instagram on there and a lot Mm -hmm. of that on his thing are his... uh, I've seen it. Yeah. So like a lot of those are just like straight up his crown and it's like full figures, full pages, you know, full panels, Mm -hmm. all with the base of crown. And it's it's amazing. And then you just add these other beautiful colors on top of it. Like I said, it's so hard to describe, you know, visually this book uh, in particular over these audio waves right now, but... These two first pages, uh not first pages, but these two few pages going into this book are just like the some of the best splash pages I have ever seen in my entire life. They're just amazing. I'm just looking at uh I'm looking at some
0: of his work. You can definitely tell like some of these figures are have been drawn in just straight up a single crayon. Yeah. And then like you can tell like he came in and you know, you cut off the edges that don't work and you get the outline in mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, well, whatever's outside the lines I can like color over until you it's almost like um you ever seen someone like uh you ever seen a chalkboard sign outside of a restaurant yeah and like sometimes it looks like someone just like all right let me just write our specials on it Mm -hmm. but sometimes people get real creative and like how you um make like these great graphics on chalk and it's like you just do whatever you want to do on the chalkboard and like let's say you're drawing like the american flag or something and like you just do it and it's there now And then you take like a wet washcloth and you like clean off the edges and stuff and you clean the board around it and it really makes it pop and stand out. And like that's, it's like, it's like the erasing is more in fact like the drawing of it. Yeah. So you can like chainsaw away from it. Yeah. Um, And that's beautiful. Like we're just talking about the colors here. We haven't even started talking (laughs) about the penciling because like his penciling is is this, is great. Like again, it falls into like the whole Kirby feel. Like mm-hmm. it just like his penciling is fabulous. And it, and it's so weird cuz it's like sometimes it can be it's like his his penciling doesn't change. Like um but in a weird way, it's like if it's in the background, it's like stylized, but in the forefront, it's like so detailed, but it's yeah. like it doesn't change. And that's what's so interesting about his work.
1: Yeah, it's almost like background thing. I mean, it really does speak to the whole tr- truity, whatever that word is, <laughs> to both the franchises. I mean, they look like cartoon characters and even if they aren't, you know, in direct, you know, proportion looks- to everything else, like especially those background guys. It's still like I can tell what those are. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's just a horde of, of Cobra soldiers back there. Closer to them, like they're separated or whatever. But then all back here, it's just like their helmets and whatnot. But I can tell that that's just all co- Cobra soldiers there. Yeah, it's like weirdly
0: detailed, but then it's not detailed. Mm-hmm. It's like you get all those, all those Cobra soldiers in the background. And it's like he still had to go through all that line work to make that pop out and for you to be like, they all have faces yeah they're all there and it's like at the same time it's like but he just did some dots and lines and 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 somehow it came together and it's like yeah that's amazing that's to me that's good penciling and and that's that's superb right um because i think sometimes you'll just see people who do like let me just do some red and blue circles and it's like out of focus people yeah and but there's nothing ever out of focus in any of these cells, Mm-mm. they're all detailed in to a point where it's like, like nothing's blurred out. Yeah. Like if you want to focus on, on a single inch of a cell, like he, like his pencil's been there. That's what's so interesting. Like, like his hair, like that guy right there in that cell. like snake eyes. Like that's snake eyes
1: without a helmet yeah like pre-snake eyes was never you know in the helmet yeah he wasn't in the, i mean he could take it off and he actually talked before he took his vow of silence and everything oh really like that. yeah damn snake eyes and uh i have that book somewhere uh snake eyes versus storm shadow um gosh that's sitting around i think that's one of my uh like don't open the packaging oh yeah <laughs> one of, one of the, yeah do one not, of those
0: do not open box yeah, or whatever. yeah
1: yeah yeah don't don't really show that to people but uh but yeah like even the close-up of snake eyes here like that that one looks like spit right out of kirby's mouth that looks like thor to me like mm-hmm. that just looks exactly like kirby's thor and you know not to downplay tom Sawyer or anything but he's in the vein of kirby again you know we really haven't even talked about we talked a little bit about the uh, the Transformers, like Michael Bay movies, but you saw like the newer GI Joe ones. i was I saw the Channing Tatum, and then I saw the second, one. The one, saw the second the one. They killed him in the second one. Yeah, they that's... did, and he was Duke, which was insane. Yeah. But again, GI Joes, you know, they they live to die for freedom. So that I, and they want like the rock in this to book the star of the movie <laughs> because Rock
0: is a businessman.
1: Yeah, it's also very true. But you know, in this book, like they kill off Joes and Transformers like left and right. And um like you know when it's like a big a big deal when it's like, oh snap, that that character just died. Like, oh wow, that's insane. Um it's really good. Like I said, you haven't even read the the rest of the series. Like it gets it gets Like people good. die <laughs> Dude. It's a it's a it's a war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what is going
0: on uh in this one so far? So we had So Starscream was chasing Bumblebee. Yeah, that was
1: like the little prelude to it. Um and then we cut into we cut into... It's the typical G.I. G- Joe. Yeah, it's a G.I. Joe mission. They're yeah. invading Cobra Law. And uh, yeah, again, it's it's it mimicking the um, uh, the Lady Doomsday story where um, uh, a scientist was kidnapped by Cobra. In this book, it's Dr. Fenham, who's the scientist that's wor- working with Cobra. Later on, he reveals that he was somewhat of a double agent, but it's really hard to believe that guy because he's a snake. Um, but, um... By the way... The snake puns in this whole series are on point when it gets into more like Cobra's series storyline and stuff Um So yeah, like the Joes are breaking in Um, you know, they find him they find uh, Dr. Venom, and They're just keep taking like him captive. Venom with an F as in venom. Yes, but he's a German scientist So it's Dr. Venom. But it's like venom, like a snake. Yes, it's, it's supposed to be venom. It's a yes. snake pun. Yes, it's a snake pun. All right, so we're there. It's always they're always snake puns. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, at at one point, Snake Eyes goes off uh, to do some Snake Eyes things, and he actually runs in to one of the Transformers that you know, from another human being, they would drop dead right there and go into shock, but not Snake Eyes. He actually. Just thinks it's a cobra drone or something. Mm-hmm. Just lobs a grenade at it. He, he lobs a grenade at
0: a transformer. Yeah,
1: Wait. we lo- we soon later on that that transformer is actually in fact Starscream. What is Starscream doing? Working in a Cobra headquarter? One will never know.
0: Wait, we don't find out. Yeah, we do book? find out. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you mean? Someone's got to know.
1: Yeah. Um, Head us with the deets. Let us know what's going on here. W- okay. Well. Star screams there um, and uh, notices Snake Eyes and his attack and kind of retaliates. And in uh, Snake Eyes' escape, out of nowhere, a gold Autobot bug shows up to the rescue. And Snake Eyes doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know self-driving cars, doesn't understand it, but takes the uh, way out anyway. <laughs> so then it just gets to the whole, like, you know, the classic... G.I. Joe, Cobra conflict, uh, climax. Yeah. Trademark that, um, Cobra commander's escaping with Baroness and, uh, they get into another chase scene. This time it is in the air, uh, to show off, you know, the Joe's aerial combat finesse. Um, so it's just, it's a big old action piece right here. It is all, this whole story is a big old action piece. Uh, it's again, it's, it's two wars colliding into one story, which is crazy. Um, but there's this whole one, there, there's a big piece of, I, I, I think it's a big piece, actually the um, the editor and, and Tom in the commentary said it was just a minor detail, but the thing that Dr. Phenom is creating are uh, creeper bombs, which are later known as uh, green, green bombs or something like that, um, but they are kind of, <laughs> it's a good plot device to, Bridge uh, the two franchises: one organic and one technological. Um, these bombs, when exploded, just sprout spores that just go on and on and on, like Devil Snare from Harry Potter. They just grow and keep growing and growing and growing and growing. What do they do? It's just plant, plants, vines. Like if poison ivy were to take like over a grenade the world, and yeah. It's like sprouts. It
0: just it's like uses miracle grow grenade. Yeah, exactly.
1: And it like just keeps going. It just keeps going, and I mean, it's a good thing to have if you're fighting giant robots that are all. Isn't
0: that what was in that um that first GI Joe movie? Wasn't they like had like some green gas? That, there like,
1: was something that like actually the nanobots, I believe, in the first GI Joe movie. Um, yeah, what to, say it? what you will about those. They had they were silly movies, but. It was. It is what it is. It was a GI Joe movie. It was just you know different characters embodying or different actors embodying you know the the characters. But I think it did it some justice. I didn't like the whole Joseph Gordon-Levitt Cobra Commander thing. That was a little weird in my opinion. They but changed. They fixed that. In the I second think they one. did. Honestly, the takeaway from both those movies is Destro. Um, uh, it, it was a uh, 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 Voldemort. What's his name? Um, oh, Ralph Fiennes. Re- yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. How do you say it? Ralph. i thought it was ray fines (laughs) i always (laughs) thought it was pronounced ray fines i always i I looked up interviews and it was like oh ray fines um another thing to hurt locker i think he was in that movie yeah he was anyway um i like those Destro was always he was always my favorite cobra affiliate Mm -hmm. he's amazing in this series um i think you're only introduced to him at the end of this book which is great because he has an amazing story arc later on in the series. Um, But yeah, so, you know, the the Joe's got Cobra on the
0: ropes. So is the mission to stop the creeper bombs from happening? Or like, what is, where do we go from here now that? I guess the mission was to... they haven't discovered that the Transformers are like a thing yet,
1: right? No, not at all. They're like still, they don't know what's going on. I think there's one moment where they're flying away in their jets... And they're like, whoa, one of the Cobra jets just mimicked uh, Ace's, you know, jet over here that's next to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, Snake Eyes is just doing the Snake Eyes thing, trying to be the hero and trying to cut Cobra's head off. And this is how you get him to be the silent, masked Snake Eyes that you know. He actually gets on top of Cobra's jet that's flying away Mm -hmm. and is about to stab him right through the chest. And at the same time as the blade is going through Cobra's heart, his gun comes up and fires and blows half of Snake Eyes' face away. That's how he gets the mask. In this story, yeah, he he gets he he, he puts the mask. Because I saw the part. Well, he keep that's not how he gets the mask. He always had his mask on in combat settings. Um, he just takes it off sometimes.
0: Because I remember the part where. Um, I think it's Sergeant Hawk gets like sniped, but it like doesn't mm-hmm. kill him. And I was like, "Holy shit, that guy just get fucking like he was like giving off orders and stuff." And it's like, whole And uh, that was the sound wave part. I remember that because yeah. Ravager, Laserbeak, yeah. and Rumble, which are my favorite, like his little minions. Like they were
1: in that moment. Yeah, it and, was like the whole. um uh What was it? The fourth kind? Not the fourth kind. Um, what the third third uh come on what is that Steven oh gosh what are you talking about the alien movie with the with the music playing and the lights going off the fourth kind Nope the fourth oh. kind was a Mila Jovovich one What do you uh, you the, other um, one, the third kind
0: the third kind you're really <laughs> wait no the fourth kind yeah is a Mia Jovovich like weird like found yeah. footage documentary Yeah and you're talking about oh man it's now another alien myself. movie right Yeah
1: no embarrassing myself like the alien movie
0: the mm-hmm. alien movie. How is no. that not the fourth kind? Someone else is gonna fourth, have to step in because, like, I don't, cause I don't know what what else would. Oh my gosh. Well, what like, is the other movie? What happens? The fourth kind is the one where they're like looking out, and like there there are owls that like signify that aliens are out there.
1: Close encounters of the third kind. Duh. Oh, <laughs> I, I see. Did. I don't like. That you hear me bo- typing? I don't like I can't that move, movie. I had to type it. Oh man. Yeah, Close Encounters, it was really like the how the Joes met the actual Transformers and what they, you know, coming face-to-face in this series, uh, they did, I think they went to Area 52, <laughs> and uh, they... As you do, yeah, they, when
0: Aliens, because they do that in, no,
1: the,
0: yeah, they did, in the first Transformers movie, weren't they like, oh yeah, the... The
1: oh, it was in the Hoover, Dam or, the Hoover Dam. No, the Hoover Dam helped. But Megatron. didn't they say that
0: Hoover Dam was actually Area 52 or something? Yeah,
1: I don't know. It was something like that, something silly. Um, Typical. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, like the Joes, I guess, how are we? So the end of the really first book was um, the thing with Snake Eyes and Cobra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see it right here. There's a sword going through Cobra's chest, so it looks like he's, you know, dead, and Snake Eyes is getting half his face blown off. And, uh, you know, they end up saving him. Bumblebee, however, is seen off in the in the distance here, um, getting captured by Starscream yet again. And uh, that's unfortunately going to be... Wait, that's the last time we see... It's not the last time we see Bumblebee in the series, but it's the last time we see him as a complete Autobot in this book. Oh, okay. <laughs> he gets entangled in the creeper bomb. Um as well as Starscream, he gets one of his wings ripped off so you know he's he's wounded and mm-hmm. you know ends up taking a souvenir to go meet with Megatron later on um the uh the, the, the prelude I guess is uh seen with um snake eyes in like a hospital bed face bandaged all up or whatever and scarlet bringing him the helmet of Cobra I do like and I, and I like to hear because we when we see Megatron later
0: we'll see some crazy auto or uh, Deceptic- what is the transformer called when they're not affiliated by a faction oh geez. see i don't know is it just transformers yeah,
1: cybertronian
0: but cybertronian
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah i guess it is we, we tra- see there's some, some, a name of there we is, see some
0: decepticons that like we've never seen before I, f- I think we see one that's like a like he's like a weird tentacle like energy type one right in this yeah like when you get to like megatron's throne room we see some crazy Decepticons, and, I've, and one, of them, one of them had, like, no shape to him. It was like, here, I'm just, like, this energy, like... Squ- oh, like... Like a squid mon He's not like yeah, a squid, but he's, like, tentacly. He looks like... um, What is that uh, Pokemon? Tangela. He looked like that motherfucker. Really? Um, I'm trying to find it. I don't remember I, It was much. in that book. I saw it somewhere. <laughs> it was, like, after Sergeant Hawk got, like, sniped out or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I like when they introduce new ones. Because, you know, it, like, Transformers can get uh, boring when they're like, oh, let's introduce Jetfire as, like, the leader of the the Air Force or whatever. And it's like, or, or we can introduce, like, Skyjack and people like that and, like, let's get some, some other cool people. Like, who's the other, like, who was Bumblebee's other um, substitute was uh, Cliffjumper. Like, you remember that one? He's, like, a red Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. And he, like, I think he has like an extendable punch or some shit. There's something about Cliff Jumper that was like, he, I guess he just jumps really high. I can't remember, <laughs> but he was like, he was like the red
1: bumblebee when the toys were coming out. And then yeah, I, I, I'm yeah. I remember hot rod, you know, cause he was, the he was the cool looking car. Um, Look, I got him transforming him back to sound vehicle mode. There you go. Um, um Rodimus Prime was always one that kind of. Give me that book. I'll find it. Yeah, yeah. Give me one second. <laughs> flipping through it. Yeah. I like when. I, I do like when they add in. Um, this book really kind of gives you a more feel. Like if you have common knowledge of Transformers and like you've seen the Michael Bay movies, you can hold a candle to it. You'll know, like, oh, yeah, I've seen him. Oh, that's really cool to see like what he looked like in the movie and what he actually looked like in. You know the toy or like the the cartoon. Oh, there you gotta he remember, is. like all these drawings are like classic, you know, uh, Hasbro toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I'm it's looking... good to to put them, you know, a, a name to a face. I guess. I guess we're looking. Um, we're looking it's at... cool in this book. They give you a little. They give you a little roster kind of thing when like they a- have a new character on the page. Yeah, and, like, shows up and and a so I'm looking at
0: the end of issue one in this book. Really close to the mic. I'm sorry. Start of issue two, um, and it ends with, like, this epilogue, whatever you want to call it, Uh, The issue one, and it has, like, Megatron, Starscream's kneeling. You get all these other cool uh, Decepticons. There's one who looks like like an obelisk. He looks like that Teen Titans, like, Egyptian, like, rock figure that they fight. Um, And then you get, like, the weird, like, he's, like, just tentacles, and then there's Soundwave next to him um who's looking like a complete badass um but megatron and then in the the page right next to it so you can easily look over and it's um that's destro i'm pretty sure it's destro and then that's a gi joe guy and then you'll you'll turn it over and and yeah once you look at it and then there's uh megatron fighting optimus prime and they look like classic gen one transformers um, but, yeah, take a look at that. That's the uh, the weird, like, I noticed that they have, like, these pharaoh, like, Egyptian, like, qualities to them. You see what I'm talking about? Like, that Transformer, he's, like, basically just, t-
1: like, that's, you, okay, so that who is, is actually, that? that's Bumblebee's head that Starscream ripped off from his body no way. and was giving him to Megatron. And in the dialogue, it's saying, like, you know, Bumblebee's, uh, Optimus's, you know, golden boy is what he calls him. He's like, his head's full of all this information on the Autobot, so I'm going to use it. Those are just, like, wires that he's plugging into to, like... That's insane. I love like it. Because he like, this little hologram, and that's Optimus standing next with, with Gold. It's like a little, little Yeah, picture. yeah, I saw that, so I thought they were referring to that. So we're going into Chapter 2 here, um, and it starts right off the bat with, uh, you know, Return of Snake Eyes. Um I guess if you're new to the franchise or new to the characters, you don't really know who's behind the mask. You only really get a good shot of the tattoo. And, uh, you know, with anybody that has G.I. Joe knowledge, um, you will realize that that's Snake Eyes. But anyway, we're also introduced to uh, General Lawrence J. Flagg. Lawrence Flagg? Yeah. Okay. Lawrence J. Flagg. You Sorry. always say his full name? No, but General Flagg. Okay. Yeah. Um, and General Flag is the classic GI, no, Duke's the classic GI Joe. General Flag is, you remember Venture Brothers? They had the leader of the OSI. Um, I can't remember that guy's name. Not but, Sergeant Hate. No, 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 not, not Sergeant Hatred, but um, the guy that uh, Brock worked for. And then he turned Ooh. into like a, like he, he had a sex change later on. <laughs> yeah, wait, That yeah, guy, yeah. that yeah. guy is a parody General Flag, like, the same exact person that's a cool thing about venture brothers because they pull from all these old like 80s cartoons yeah, they and pull such from all like, it, yeah. that's why it was so you know because i think a um thing.
0: what was the helper robot yeah was he not like a jet jetsons
1: like type robot yeah i, get, I mean there were feel. rosy jokes that they made i always kind of assumed him to be more along the um lost in space robot kind of kind of thing um but hey, to each their own. Lost in space robot. Yeah, if no, you remember the Danger movie, Robertson. Are you th- <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I know, but I don't see it. I see
1: the, I see the uh, Josie like. Yeah, okay. I see that. All right, let's go with Josie. That probably better fits it. Um, but yeah, General Flag is always like Supermoto G.I. Joe. Like he mm-hmm. is, he lives by the Supermodo word of cross. of uh, uh, Colonel Bolt. So Colonel Bolt was the original Joe.
0: Colonel Bolt was the original Joe. Yeah, what's his full name? The worst part about transforming Transformers (laughs) is when the pieces that you just snap together and then you try putting it back and then it's like, well, why aren't these pieces snapping? Which is the current dilemma I'm having right now with this Megatron as we uh, vamp for this information. But like, yeah, this chest piece won't stick in. Whatever calling it we're good here god damn it so
1: cool but so not difficult colton who coltrane no general joseph colton is the original gi joe Hmm. it's brought up later on in this series too there's a whole thing this this chapter focuses a lot a well, lot it, a lot on the joes and well, you a, said the whole
0: this whole first book
1: yeah i would say towards the end there it gets well eh, i think in the last chapter they actually make it make their way to cybertron
0: so it ends with them the book ends on cybertron
1: this yeah. this first book yeah. yeah uh the third chapter i believe ends on um cybertron
0: so what are the, what is uh what are they trying to do right now the joes
1: Right now, it's a uh, it's just another classic Joe mission. Um since Cobra Commander uh is "quote unquote" dead and uh you know, they it seems like their uh organization is in a hissy fit, doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um there was this this is bringing up from the older books. There was um a, a town called Springfield uh that's essentially <laughs> if you will it it definitely mimics the uh the simpsons aspect of it especially in this book but um it's a front it's like the cobra's kind of secret base mm-hmm. uh hiding in plain sight if you will also a uh, you know there's much more than meets the eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so uh so yeah the joes are uh, trying to just wrangle up all like the remaining cobra chief of staff or you know head mm-hmm. head People and whatnot. And um, we do see that there is a looming threat of uh, someone draped in red cobra garb. So we don't, you know, us thinking that there's no leader, there seems to be someone pulling the strings to this operation because they say, um, uh, you know, the the plan has failed. And uh, the, the Crimson Guard has been made, and they don't know what to do. The Crimson Guard was actually, uh, you know, a, a side team off of Cobra Commander. Um, yeah. They had those two guys. Uh, they, these, the twins were actually really prominent twins, in the Basil. show. Yeah. And then, I believe, in the uh, the animated Adult Swim one as well. They have mm-hmm. Tomax and Xantot. Zam- Who? Zamot. Zamot. Tomax and Zamot. It's the same Aye. name backwards.
0: Um Topaz and
1: what? No, Tomax and Zamot.
0: Zamok and Tomaz. Zamot and Tomaz. Tomax. Tom- Tomax
1: and sc- Scamtos. What? <laughs> Tomax and Zamot. Tomaz. They were... Th- I, I, see, like, this is where, like, I... Tomax <coughs> and <coughs> Zamot. Excuse me. Sometimes I wish you, you watched a little bit of G.I. Joe, because it was, like, they were the guys that did the whole classic... I'm going to finish this guy's sentence in like the 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 banter between because they're uh, brothers or something. Yeah, yeah, they're twins. So every time they would be fighting or every time they were on screen, it was like they would just do that whole classic banter of finishing each other's sentences. I'm trying to bring it into some.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I don't. Yeah, I don't know if that. I don't know if I can pull a reference like that because it doesn't happen anymore, but. Um, yeah, it just it sounds like Star Wars names, and then with the Crimson Guard, it feels like a Star Wars type <laughs> character. <laughs> it's like uh, very Star Wars, like Dark Ages Star Wars, when there was no movie between Episode Six and Episode One. Yeah, but Crimson um, Guard. So what are they doing, Toma- Tomax and Zama
1: They're just failing as they always do. Um,
0: oh, they fail a lot. They don't like actually. They're not like. Um, they're not like Faora and Namek? Or... No,
1: they're, I mean, like, they, yeah, they get captured a lot. They're just like, oh, we beat the Crimson Guard. It was just, you know, one step closer to Cobra. Are they like Bebop and Rocksteady? No. Because Bebop and Rocksteady are still, like, right there next to Shredder. It's like those are the two guys that he sends mm, out.
0: Are they? Do they work close with Shredder? I always thought they were just, are they, like, no, they're not. Yeah, they are. Do they work? I don't know if they work closely with Shredder. I know they're like, what are they like? Because <laughs> you're thinking more of like um, the Hyenas and, and Scar. Like, they work closely with Scar. Okay. I'm pulling a Lion King reference. Yeah. And then I always felt like Bebop and Rocksteady were just like, um, they
1: were there, but they were like neutral. Weren't they? Are they? I guess no, they, were, they were the bad guys. The neutral party in the G.I. Joe thing, not neutral, but the guys that were not Cobra was the October Guard. Those are the guys that would come in. They were like terrorists. Uh, well, Cobra is, is a terrorist as well, but they were campy super villains. Are they Russian? Because October? Uh, like- the main one, the main guy, whatever his name was. Yeah, I believe he was Russian. Hmm. spoken tongues spoken tongues <laughs> 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 i just think of the squid billy's episode with tim tebow and the snakes yeah one not the not not the there there's a guy that actually spoke in poetry um on cobra side what was his name i actually show him in this and it was actually pretty cool that they uh major blued major blued? he was the yeah he was that german guy that that always had the poetry Sp- Damn! Everything that he said rhymed and whatnot. So are we done with Transformers now? Or Not are we? done with them. Okay. Uh, right now, what's going on? Yeah, in the Battle of Springfield at um, you know, the the Crimson Guard headquarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no Transformers going on. It's really Joe heavy. So um, the,
0: are the Joes trying to like finish off the Cobra? Yeah, commandos. It's like, like, say, like
1: yeah, there's leaders down. Let's strike. Yeah, down. let's. Battle of Jakku type stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's pretty much what it is. Um, and then it just switches to, Yay, they won the battle! Like it's awesome. Now we're actually in the pit, which is Joe's secret headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there's this cool panel where it shows a, um, like a big news TV screen in like a downtown metropolitan area. I guess on like a building, like a jumbotron. Mm-hmm. And it's saying that there's an asteroid on a collision cur- collision course with the Earth. And the asteroid, they're calling it, uh, nicknamed the face of darkness, just because it's like this black object that's just coming closer and closer to Earth. And um, what's happening is when Scarlet and Duke actually get to the pit, they're analyzing uh, an intercepted message that they get. And the message is all cryptography, cryptographs, whatever, um, and it's all Cybertronian and we can recognize the symbols, but the Joes are just now figuring it out that they don't know what this is. Uh, it's cool. Well, we'll get there later. But yeah, um, it really showcases um, a Hawk in this mm-hmm. moment. Um, he's really the one that... All this is leading up to a, like I said, close encounters meeting with the Transformers. Um, the Joes set out like a, a landing pad with... Both of the symbols that they were able to decipher from the message, one of them being an Autobot symbol, one of them being a Decepticon symbol. They slap those puppies on the ground and paint them and are trying to have a welcome party. And uh, the plan is that uh, Hawk is going to go out and extend an olive branch and you know, try to say, hey, you guys are the first alien race we've ever come I'm in contact with. Yeah, welcome to Earth. We we wish you peace and, and whatnot. And it's cool. This is what you said. These are some of your favorite characters uh, of the Decepticons that are actually landing on Earth. And this is because they killed Bumblebee? Is this because they killed Bumblebee? What yeah, do you because, mean? Yeah, because, so, like, Starscream chases Bumblebee
0: to Earth. He decapitates him, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, yo, I got the head of Bumblebee. And so, is Megatron now going, like, is he like, all right,
1: now we can attack? Or now we can now we can go to Earth. They just they were they just ended up there. Like Megatron is on Cybertron. Mm-hmm. So, with the whole uh, somehow down the line, I, we learn later on in the series that Cobra. Way back in ancestral ages, Cobra actually had a run-in with, the Transformers, um, before Decepticons, before Autobots. It was like that whole, I think, I didn't watch the newest uh, Transformers movie with Mark Wahlberg or whatever, but The um, the Last Knight, I think there was a scene that I saw in the preview where it shows um, actual knights and them yeah, doing yeah, with... Yeah, 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 It's kind of like that. Like, it goes back to, like, very Celtic era before anything. I Cobra guys... was a cult.
0: Yeah, I thought you were going to say they introduced Joes, and I was like, what? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Cobra's
1: actually, like, he's a... He's... He's a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> He's a different species he's a snake man and there was a whole you know <laughs> he's a reptilian yeah it's pretty much what it was they were they actually existed in this universe and Cobra is a descendant of them. They were snake people and general Hawk's tomahawk is actually an artifact from when that war was actually going on is tomahawk is has a paranormal that's Abilities, crazy. I guess. That's crazy. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an artifact. So he always thought it was just, you know, ancient you know, Apache or whatever he went back to. Uh, you know, that was just his weapon or whatever. Um, but it really plays a bigger role into all of this and into the lore. Like you said, it's crazy when they actually go into the lore and the expanded universe of both these franchises. It It's mind-blowing at times because... You see uh, Hawk with his tomahawk all throughout this first book, but by the end of the third book um, in the series, you're like, oh, snap, it all connects. And like, mm-hmm. it's insane that he had that. So them coming to Earth wasn't really by accident. It was just like,
0: um, how do you say it? it's like, Eventually, they'd return or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, typical Transformers stuff. Absolutely. I mean, they do it. Yeah, they did it in the Michael Bay films as
1: well, mm-hmm. so, which is always so weird where it's like, wait, you guys have been here all this time? Yeah. And but like, what's funny about the Michael Bay thing is that you would think that once Transformers actually made their way to Earth, why would they keep it Earth? Why wouldn't they just turn it into new Cybertron or something like that? Mm-hmm. It ends up happening in this series. Earth is by the end of that third volume or whatever. Earth is no, there is no Earth. Earth is just gone. I gotta tell you, Cybertron is is goddamn beautiful. Man, it gets massive yeah. in this series.
0: I love, I love visiting Cybertron. The Michael Bay films always like, they dabble with it, but they never want to commit to it. And I'm like, just give us some all Cybertron Transformers yeah. film. Like, like whatever the beginning of Dark Dark of the Moon or whatever, like where they're on Cybertron, like the war is happening. Have you ever played the War for Cybertron games? Like you're on Cybertron. You're like running down highway systems. You are a transformer. You're living in that area. Yeah. And it's like. They really show a good amount of it in this book.
1: <laughs> they really do. They do it some justice in this book. Tom was on, on point with it. It really, when they get to Cybertron, it makes me feel like, okay, I'm on Cybertron. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's really cool. I want more of that, uh, like you know, read the that, book, man. Well, I'm saying like <laughs> you want more of it in our media, like today. And, like yeah, you and, want it as yeah. big as the other franchises. You can, uh, yeah,
0: you can do it in that. You can do it in video games and all that. But it's like, no, I want it. I want the war. I want. I want Rogue One, Transformers film. That's what I want. Yeah. Like, don't give me that bullshit Skywalker era. Don't give me that bullshit Optimus Prime with the humans on earth and like don't i don't want that shit give me a war for cybertron let me get yeah let's get transformers let them be the main characters no humans like to hold our hand through the the plot like just do that movie make it live action in that weird sense that it's like all cgi but still it's like it looks real so like give us that and
1: and we can run with that i mean look at pacific rim like 90 percent of that movie was cgi'd yeah, well, there was a huge there was huge arcs of, of human storytelling.
0: Yeah, ninety eight percent is a little too much. I but. think, I think, the second Pacific Rim might be more robot heavy. Yeah, for better or worse. But I mean, like, at least yeah, give us that and let's see what happens. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, so the they came down. So what do the Decepticons want once they land? So who do we got here? We got Ravenger, uh, Laserbeak
1: and it should be rumble the Three? rumble and soundwave well yeah soundwave and then soundwave his... is like in like transport mode um so yeah rumble who did yeah
0: i i used to have a very i used to have a red laptop a red alienware laptop that was that looked really beautiful and i remember replacing the alien symbol with a uh Decepticon like a little Decepticon symbol like a like a little chrome decal and I replaced the symbol and like I used like it was like it looked like Laserbeak in like in a sense of like this looks like a transformer and yeah like I like nicknamed it Laserbeak and um I had a red longboard. I don't know I was like really into Soundwave at the time and like I don't know I like Soundwave so
1: much um, he was definitely one of my favorite toys, just because he had the Minicon boombox that came out of him. Yeah, like, That yeah. was, like, I mean, his Rumble. chest, yeah, his chest open, Uh, like, it was just... Or was it Rumbler? No,
0: Rumble. Rumble. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, so he had four, actually. It's, at one point, they introduced Tumble, which is, like, another guy who looks like Rumble, but he... He looks just
1: like him. I think he's just colored different. Where do you remember Tumble from?
0: Tumble was also, he also made an appearance in War for Cybertron where it's like, because you fight off Rumble and then Tumble shows up and then there's also Laserbeak and then there's also Ravager, which is like the wolf one or yeah, it's like a wolf one and um, they show Laserbeak, Rumble and Ravager all make it into the actual live action Michael Bay films. Um, in each film, one of
1: them shows up. Um, Samway was in the first one and then... He was in the, s- the second, second one. And then he was like a weird... Wasn't he the weird... He was like a
0: satellite in the second one. And then in the third one, he was like a Mercedes. And, and he looked very generic in the third one, which was sad. Um, because they gave him barely any detail. But I have always loved his voice. He has like the coolest voice in the world when it comes to Transformers... Um, but in the first movie, he's he has Rumble, which is a moot box, and then the second one, you see Ravager, the wolf, and
1: uh, and then in the third one, you get Laserbeak, who's a computer or something. I always thought Ravager was more like a puma, like a, like a jaguar. Yeah, he's like a panther like a, yeah. or something. Oh, yeah. Jeez, um, uh, Soundwave's voice, especially in those Michael Bay movies, was always like uh, Claw from uh, yeah. Inspector Gadget. Yeah. I don't even know if you can do it. Can you do a, a good sound? One? No, you can't, you need a computer. <laughs> it's like very airy. Sound
0: right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like that. Even,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's that shit. I love him so much. He was really cool. I uh,
1: with the first one I remember he actually had the in the Michael Bay movie, he had the voice and like attached himself to the satellite and then he sent Ravenger down.
0: Yeah, that was the second one.
1: That was the second one? Yeah, cuz they go to that wasn't the, the first they one? go
0: to steal the
1: um yeah, so, so Ravenger and Rumble were in that one because he was on the airplane. I don't even know where Rumble came from in the first movie. He just kind of showed up on a, on Air Force One. He got he was all the 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 nanobots or whatever, pieced together, and he became.
0: No, I don't know what that was.
1: That was Rumble. Like no, it no. got like Ravenger like barfed him up through like that like military base no. camp tube, and he went no. down and then got all connected. No, I'm
0: thinking of the first one. Rumble is the boombox who's like. He's with Barricade. That's what the that was the weird thing, is that he came from he was working with Barricade not Soundwave. Okay. Um and Barricade was cool too, but then they like weirdly showed him in the last mo- in the third movie. I was saying last one as if the third one was the last <laughs> one. Yeah, because we haven't
1: seen the, yeah. the other one.
0: Yeah, but like so yeah. But I always like
1: Barricade in the first one. Oh, Barricade is awesome. He was cool in the first one. And they never one. bring him back.
0: Um, but no, I also like Bone Crusher. Bone Crusher was cool in that movie too, even though he gets destroyed. God, those movies are kind of good. <laughs> I'm, awesome. Yeah, I,
1: that's why I, I even like the G.I. Joe movies, man.
0: Yeah, um, the second one. The second one, is, the second one is so just Just sit back and enjoy this nonsense.
1: Um, <laughs> Bone, Crusher, Bone Crusher died in the...
0: Yeah, Bone Crusher is the one on the highway that was like a sweeper. Like he had. Like yeah, this, yeah.
1: Wasn't he... Was that before or after the Constructicons got built? Because he's a part of the Constructicons. Yeah, I think so. Well, hmm. He didn't die on the highway. By the way, that highway scene was also in the island. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, no, you're thinking of the third one. Dark of the Moon, they reused something. That's when the third one introduced, like, those weird, like, predator Decepticons that were, like, they were, like, black and they had, like, dreads and stuff. And Ironhide fought them. How many were there? There are three. Oh there were they were like black... the
1: Insecticons? No, they were black GMC like envoys. Were they supposed to be the Insecticons? The Insecticons they're actually no, in this book. No, 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 um, no. There was no actually, I think they I mean, of course they're they're classic uh I think
0: that thin nanobot was an insecticon.
1: Why damn? See, it's that's why it's crazy to like just think of how many transformers there are and how many one they add in this. Yeah. The Insecticons in this series are Bombshell, Kickback, and Shrapnel. I don't know if they Dude, were the same fighting back. Ironhide, but they they see actually... Kickback. Wait, they're all right there at the top. Wait, you might be right about this. Yeah, I know. Like they're they're Megatron's bounty hunters. Um They just go out, they do the dirty work, and. uh they were insecticons, so classic, you know, they turn into bugs, look like flies, like robot flies.
0: I'm going to have to look it up. Do it big, man. But keep Um, going with the story while I look it up.
1: All right, all right, all right. So where did we leave off? Um, So Hawk is meeting with uh, the Decepticons and is offering a peace, treaty, whatever, and us familiar with who is on the Decepticons and who's on the Autobots, or whatever, would kind of realize that these are bad guys, and uh, that Ravenger is telling them pretty much like, "Oh, your peace actually means surrender. So we welcome your planet. Surrender. This is actually an invasion of Earth at this point from the, the Decepticons." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Ox like, "No way, Jose." And the secret plan was to kind of trap the Decepticons here. And uh, use a, a hammer of dawn, which I believe they just call it. Hammer of dawn. <laughs> they don't call it the hammer of dawn. They call plays, it. Plays gears of it's war. It's um, named after named uh, after Joseph. Um, Gordon Levitt. No. I'm just gonna keep doing this. <laughs> You're killing me, man. Uh, they pretty much use a hammer of dawn. That's uh, I think it's I don't know Operation Bolt or whatever it was called, and mm-hmm. they it's a trap pretty much. Um, this is also where. It's cool because the Joes, since there's so many of them, there's mm-hmm. so many things going on, and it's not like everybody gets away safely. Um, Lady Jane and Flash actually show up to help um, Hawk
0: because, uh, oh,
1: you were right, um, Snake Eyes return. He He shoots Hawk, and everybody thinks that he's a traitor. And it's like, whoa, that was Snake Eyes that actually just shot Hawk, and what's going on? Um so the Decepticons like you know the jig is up they're all starting to to try to capture them and uh Lady Jane Flash and Hawk actually do get captured and get thrown into Soundwave's belly all classic style. Um
0: By yeah. the way the the Dreads as they're known in the third film is Crankcase Crowbar and Hatchet. They're like these weird all black dread. It's 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 text. It's, there's no images. But um and then if okay, so there is an insecticon, but he's a small one. He's a mechanical beetle in Revenge of the Fallen. He's a mechanical beetle. Um. Yeah, he's a small one. He's a this is a tiny insecticon. Um. Oh yeah, I guess he's like tiny, and he's on top of um, Shia LaBeouf, and he just like breaks him or something.
1: Oh, he was the one where they were. There was that like actual human looking robot that he was trying to have sex with and oh it like came I on, called on his shoulder at that point no i don't know it? about that no no that was alice that character's that thing, name is alice that's weird man that thing kind of messed me up <laughs> that, that, yeah that really ruined they should have just made it mirage and have him work for the decepticons um that would have been better let's see um by the way the one i was call- we were calling him rumble but his
0: name is actually frenzy that that one in the first movie who was like a boom box and he worked with barricade oh okay that ruined that um Scorp Scorponok, that was another like small tiny kind of You're mic- kidding me. You remember Scorponok? He was like, the I scorpion. remember Scorponok from Beast Wars. Uh yeah, I think they brought him over into the in the first movie. He's he comes out of Blackhawk, or he um, works with Blackhawk or something. It's
1: crazy because Scorponok is not usually like that. Scorponok is actually a a fortress transformer. Oh yeah, like Metropolis or L- something. Like like me- Metroplex. Metroplex. And, um like Triptychon. Like they're massive fortresses on Cybertron that they hang out in um Scorponox was yeah he he's he actually shows up a lot more in this series I'm trying to look at some other cool ones that I remember
0: from the films and uh I, I do like a, a lot of the Constructicons I think they're a lot better in the fall of Cybertron game like they're way cooler but um I remember one of my favorite Constructicons being uh, Mixmaster, which he was like yeah. the cement truck, and mm-hmm. he like forms into it. so cool. I love those people.
1: Did they in Fall of Cybertron, would you say Fall of Cybertron? There mm-hmm. did they turn into Devastator in that game? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But he was more of like a just a really big um, transformer instead of being like that weird dragon thing that he was in oh, the yeah. film. Oh yeah, see
1: that's that's really weird because even in this he's just uh, where are we at? Um, even in this, he's like an actual, like you know, big transformer. He's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Actually he just, just, just be a, big, a tall dude. Yeah, he's just a big guy. Uh, it doesn't need to be. He was a dragon. He was a weird thing in that movie, wasn't he? <laughs> anyway, um, the story goes. It's a. Uh, he was much like the Kraken of Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was that was a really cool part because it also had. Um, oh gosh, what were the twins' names? I didn't like the tw- Tom <sighs> Kenny but they had, um, I think it was uh, like Jack and something. Yeah. And yeah, they had, gosh, I can't remember any of these people's names. Jack and tire. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so where are we at here? Uh, Soundwave captures, uh, a few Joes and is gonna, you know, so they're gonna eat them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Decepticons are trapping the GI Joes to eat them. Not really to eat them. You don't really know that they're going to eat them. But it's all—it's an all-out war right now. No one knows what side is what. It's just this is like the beginning invasion of Earth from the Decepticons. Okay. They just started the attack, um, with the three Transformers here. Um, but also, once everything goes down, the, you get Starscream shows up. Soundwave is there, and um, Shockwave actually shows up as well really yeah he's right here and uh he's like he's the boba fett
0: of transformer do uh, you think yeah he is doesn't talk or he i think he doesn't um no he talks but he he sounds like an old man but he barely talks and then he turns into a gun he literally turns into a giant laser gun yeah um i don't know if you can do it with this one i have a shockwave right here hold on he's just gonna grab this toy Normally they just make him look like a um a gun. I, mean, I think in this one it's like he's a uh, he's a ship of some sort. Which is really weird, but it's okay. Um damn, how do I that's gonna mess with this guy? He's definitely quick.
1: a giant gun in this. Um mhm. And uh I believe Soundwave actually gets captured at this in this story. In this uh in this chapter. Yeah, because... typical the Joes. Wait, Soundwave or, Sh- or Starscream? Soundwave. If Starscream doesn't. Starscream is, Starscream is normal Starscream throughout this whole thing. Um, so they're talking about the plan to set up the ruse of the Decepticons. Then they fire down um, that satellite laser and uh, pretty much just. Man, they wreck. Yeah, it's Soundwave. They wreck Soundwave. And Shockwave's arc throughout the rest of the series is one of uh, revenge. Mm -hmm. Because those of you who didn't know, they are brothers. And uh, Whose brothers? Shockwave and Soundwave.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And Soundwave gets captured and pretty much dissected by the Joes um, later on. But this is also where it shows a really cool panel of... uh, of uh general hawk's tomahawk slicing through Ravenger's head and it makes you want to be like wait isn't doesn't that thing just look like stone like how is it just like no it looks no it like looks butter. like cybertron cybertronian uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah it does look like it It plays into it man it plays into it as soon as you it. see
0: that you go yeah, that's a cybertron it's so cool
1: and it's w- what's really cool is like that looks really and who, barbaric who, de- who decapitates shockwave or soundwave no Which- one gets decapitated Soundwave gets, you said someone gets decapitated later. Hammered th- oh, uh, Bumblebee gets get de- decapitated, got decapitated.
0: No, oh, I thought you said someone later on in the story gets decapitated. Oh, well, this
1: is what I mean. Like, this is him showing the slice into Ravenger's face um, by the tomahawk. Mm-hmm. So later on, we realized that that tomahawk has special properties, um, which was really cool because there's a whole issue that dealt with, um, like, a flashback of when the Transformers first got to Earth and mm-hmm. who they encountered, like they encountered the the Cobra Cult, this you know the Snake People Cult, and all that. And um, it really, Tom Sellely, I always felt that mimicked a lot of his American Barbarian. When I was reading that, I felt like it was just taken right out of, or like the the Transformers versus GI Joe story was taken right out of American Barbarian in a sense. It's like in the same vein. It so looks what is, like it. What is American Barbarian? Because we talked about Godland, but. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so American Barbarian is Tom Sowley's book about this barbarian um, whose family gets, you know, killed in an attack. And he was uh, this uh, chosen warrior to wield this very powerful, all powerful sword. And, uh, you know, the bad guys came and, you know, destroyed his, his his castle and his family. And now he's just out for revenge. And it's like. Mm -hmm. The classic, like, Rambo-esque Conan kind of style, like, he's just this barbarian with a sword that's trying to get revenge on everybody killing his family. That is a very Rambo-like... It's very Rambo. It gets gets crazy because it's not just, like, straight barbarians and stuff. There's, like cyberpunk in it as well it's it's kind of dystopian Ooh, future I do like that there's like tanks and it, it's really much in the same vein as the transformers versus gi joe in mm-hmm. some senses you can definitely see tom sawley's interest in uh both franchises i guess if you you know um pulling from that book it's really cool
0: yeah everyone knows like if you want to like get me interested in something like. Make it like Cyberpunk, and I'm like, all right, all right. I'll you'd buy really it.
1: like you'd really like that book. Um, I think you'd like all of his stuff, man. To be honest with you. Um, anyway, getting back to the story, we're kind of close to the end of this chapter here. It's uh, it goes without saying that Snake Eyes did have a have a valiant return and is like just f- effing s up, <laughs> and uh, he Very actually well put. he has a a string of grenades and he just drops them. Right on Starscream's face, and like the tagline for this, "The Revenge of Snake Eyes: A Face for a Face." You can see Starscream's face is just all mangled up by the grenades. Oh wow, right that's in awesome! Yeah. I love that. It's poetic justice, if you will. Um, but yeah, then you see uh, Operation Colton Bolt, which is the satellite Hammer of Dawning, Soundwave, and uh, yeah. So Laserbeak's there. He flies away with um with shockwave and they end up falling into the very clutches of the coil not the clutches the coils of cobra if you will Mm
0: mhm damn
1: and we actually get a good picture of who's leading cobra so we find out that cobra's still alive we found out that cobra's still alive someone is actually wrapped up in bandages um there's a female body so one would actually assume it's probably baroness mhm uh spoiler alerts it is but you do see Destro he's there Destro was always my favorite guy out of the, the Cobra Because they showed gang. him earlier. Yeah, they showed him a little bit earlier. Um, he definitely sh- plays a bigger role uh, later on in the series. At the end of this volume, like I said, he is formally introduced um, at like one of the last pages where he actually has a face-to-face with Megatron, and it's... Who does? Destro. Oh, really? Yeah, and like those, you don't want... Like if these characters were real, you don't want Destro meeting Megatron. Like that's just bad news yeah, written that's all just over it. A battle like two evil powers
0: would like because Cobra is Cobra, but like Destro, he's
1: evil in the sense of like he's he is. This book is cool. I'll I don't want to I'll save it. I'll save it for next chapter because we're almost there. But he's got a name that that rings true to this day that I think is one of the perfect descriptions of Destro. Mm-hmm. any And anybody has ever found out. I did like, I think they did give him a metal face in that second movie. I want to say, uh, they gave, uh, no, they gave Cobra his mask finally in the second one, yeah. but Destro, but Destro, like a- Destro was Destro. Oh, it showed Ray Fiennes, whatever you want to call him. Um, mm-hmm. like it showed like a very, like a long time ago, he was being like tortured in like ancient times or whatever, because he mm-hmm. has elongated life and it showed him putting like that metal mask on. Yeah. Um.
0: Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm over here um, transforming this, this shock wave. Ooh, come on. I almost got him screw it <laughs> and people who are listening right now i'm transforming this guy so you got to give me the the time of day okay
1: i remember zartan being big in um the movies he was the guy that changed his face look at that guy that guy looks awesome and his face does look like that you see that here let me, yeah, go, back see to, that? Let me go back to that god back shockwave. to shockwave has such a cool face like right there if you look i love it right? i love it's it just i mean you can't it's hard and they, transformers toys come out all the time and they seem to yeah. change a lot but like you really have to keep some aspects of the original and one I of the like easiest things
0: one of the coolest and easiest things they do with toys is like oh just put a translucent piece so when light goes through it it like looks like it's lit up yeah you know like that's so just god it looks so cool and i gave him i put the gun on his arm
1: he's awesome Just man. cool He's a transformist guy now. That one turns into. See you guys later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. The end of chapter two is pretty much that Um, it does show that the Joes are actually on a spaceship and heading to some planet they now are calling Cybertron. So how do they? So why
0: are they going to Cybertron? Just to fight the the, take the attack to them. which is what, like, the third Independence Day film is going to do. I guess. Did you I don't, ever see that? Know. At the end, they go, oh, it looks like we'll take the fight to them. And they get in their, like, crazy sci fi ships and they, like, head to the alien
1: planet. And so that's what the third one is going to be about. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they're, the Joe's all time curiosity, the Joe's curiosity was at an all time high. And, uh, they actually, f- you know, found out since, cause Cybertron is actually really close to Earth now. Cause that's what the warning was and a few moves? pages away. Yeah, yeah. It's moving closer to Earth. That's, that's, um, you know, it, it's moving, it's there. So the Joes are actually able to launch into space probably in, you know, somewhat closer orbit to earth and are now, it was supposed to be an exploration mission, but now, uh, they've turned it, general flag has turned it into an invasion.
0: Damn. That's
1: and this awesome. Is, this is when it starts to are get, you
0: full, you're, and you're like, it's over and everything and you're fully caught up with all of it.
1: Oh yeah. it's so it, it ended, I think two years ago. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm fully all caught up with it. Like, I know it was a, an amazing ending, to be honest with you. Um, it's it, it was a really, it's a really good story. <laughs> um, it seems like there's a lot going on, but it, it makes sense because, I mean, they're two franchises with a super crazy roster of characters, and the way that Uh, Tom Sawyer and John Barber were able to hone these stories in to fit all these characters. is just phenomenal. So chapter three is going to start out with pretty much invasion of Cybertron. So we actually get there in in the third chapter? Yeah. Okay, wait. I'm waiting. (laughs) I'm flipping through everything. This has
0: just been a big excuse for me to play with Transformers and talk Transformers. Yeah, so
1: chapter three... Okay, so there's four chapters in this whole thing. Maybe there's five chapters. What does this say? I can't remember if the chapter titles are before or after. Yeah. Anyway, so the next chapter (laughs) is going to start on Cybertron. um, And you automatically see that the Joes are doing some sort of uh, bombing, and it looks like that they're using those creeper bombs that uh, Cobra had created. Against the the Transformers. Against the Transformers, which is, you know, that's genius. Like I said, you're combining something that's organic and, you know, keeps on growing. You're fighting robots with organic. Exactly. That's why you were like, oh, a small detail, but it works so well for you. Yeah, exactly. So it's really cool. They actually see, um, you know, Cybertron's huge, you know, there's so many fortresses on it that all can move, all can just be wherever they want to be, and uh, they actually run into Iacon, which is an old Autobot outpost, Um, and the Joes automatically assume, yeah, that's a military base, so they start bombing it, there's some rogue Autobots, not rogue, there's some Autobots that are... Scav, you know, scouting the area, or whatever, are actually taking to notice that something is happening down at Icon, and there's some green sludge covering it now. Um, those Autobots, th- those Autobots actually go and investigate. Autobots. And, uh, That's a actually, Batman Transformer uh, crossover. Yeah, right. Um, we're introduced to one of my favorite characters in this series because he has mm-hmm. such a good arc at this moment, and it's uh, Percepticon. And Percepticon is the giant microscope transformer. He the scientist. Um That's so silly. It's so obvious. It's yeah. like Percepticon. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's exact that's why the, their names are so perfect, because they like hit nails on the head and it's just so campy that you, Sometimes they're really cool. Yes, yeah, I think they're one of my great. favorite uh by the way, do you follow Pablo
0: Hidalgo? Oh, no, you don't. You don't have Twitter.
1: I don't have Twitter, but oh I, yeah. What is Pablo it Pablo
0: Hidalgo just draws Transformers. all Does the, he? Oh, just constantly. He's so infatuated with Transformers. That's all he draws. And it's like all his tweets are about Transformers. And like, I'll have to show you. I'll show you in a bit. All right. Um, but one of my favorite ones is uh, Skyjack. He's, yeah. And
1: he drew him, and it's... No, 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 oh. no! I'm saying sometimes the names are really, really cool. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that is a cool name, but um, I think. See, this is where it seems like it's almost too. I guess there was a point where Hasbro and Michael Bay or whatever, when they were creating the story of the movies, like they couldn't go that outlandish, so mm-hmm. like you had to have like Ratchet as like the medic or whatever, but uh, Percepticon's the medic. Come on, um. And like they had to have, you know, like Bumblebee. They couldn't have like Rodimus or in anything in there or whatever. So it's cool. it's cool to Do see. Do they in, introduce ex- Not in any of the movies that I saw. Because like he's another Prime. He's you know, Optimus is the you know a legendary Autobot or whatever. Rodimus is like the actual in line Prince of Cybertron. Like mm-hmm. He is he is the heir to Cybertron, um, which is, I mean, I mean, once you gain title of prime, I guess that's just what happens. Um, but yeah, so Percepticon is checking out this, uh, green sludge and he <laughs> kind of picks a leaf off of it and is examining it. And then it starts to just grow like on him. And, uh, I think Braun actually shoots it and it's like, yo, this is bad news. And, uh, uh, Wheeljack is there as well, and Wheeljack actually sees that there's another attack going on. This time, it's happening at Trypticon. And uh, Trypticon is a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex fortress of a Decepticon. Um, That's where... Yeah,
0: he was in... He was in the first War for Cybertron game. He was, was he? like
1: he was like the final boss, and it wasn't Roadblock um, Grimlock, right?
0: No, Grimlock's in the second one. Okay, but and, and Grimlock was... is like a normal size transformer. Yeah, no, like so War for Cybertron it starts off with Megatron gaining this ancient Cybertronian power from like the center of Cybertron. So that's how he becomes the villain of the Cybertron war. He basically starts the war. At first, they were just like. They were like the ISIS, but then they turned into like. Decepticons? Yeah, they were just just like a militant group. They were Mm -hmm. rogue. But because he got that Cybertronian power, he became like the Megatron that we know that he's just so powerful. Yeah. And it ends with. um, I guess you choose this. I, I can't remember if you choose an ending. Yeah, you do. Because either you fight a giant, giant Autobot or you fight a. And I don't know which one it. Maybe that was Rodimus. Or Metroplex. No, no, Metroplex is in the second one. It could have been Rodimus. But it, if you choose the Autobot ending, you fight Trypticon, which is a giant dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's what that was. Yeah. So that's that's normally where um, Megatron's lair is. It's where he likes to hang out. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Joes are headed right for it. And Megatron just opens up Trypticon's mouth and it's like, go after him. And all these Decepticons are just on their tail. Um, Meanwhile, on the ground, Mm -hmm. uh, there is Percepticon, uh, uh, Brawn, Wheeljack, and Mirage that are riding the highways as good Autobots do. And uh, they actually mentioned that there's like a curfew out for them because Megatron is leader of Cybertron now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Optimus is not a thing like Decepticons own Cybertron and anybody, any Autobot that they're seeing outside a curfew or outside, like, their respected zones, they instantly take to the smelting pits. Um, so on this highway, we actually see um, Percepticon and, and company running into the uh, Constructicons, and they actually make a note of it when they're saying, like, whoa like i can't believe uh you know i can't believe devastator's here like what's what's going on like I, I don't know i don't know what's happening and devastator forms and goes into the air to try to meet the gi Joe spaceship mm-hmm. um percepticon and the other convoy are like yo we got to get out of here let's uh, good good save let's get out of here um the joes end up splitting into two teams uh, in their shuttles so you know obviously cuz there's a lot of characters going on um Some more battles are ensuing uh, versus the Joes doing no damage to these, you know, giant robots such as Devastator and Trypticon. Um, A few Joes are getting captured, but lo and behold.
0: But no one dies yet.
1: The person that you see die right now is um, Wild Bill. Well, at least you think he dies and he's a Joe. He's the cowboy Joe. He was always the guy in like the helicopter Mm -hmm. Um, So he actually tries to run his ship into Devastator to you know Go out in a blaze of glory thinking that's gonna do any damage to him, which it doesn't and uh, Yeah, so you definitely see like a somewhat death From Wild Bill and that's kind of crazy because if you are a fan of GI Joe, you don't want any of the Joes to die rarely Joes die. It's like It's just a thing Mm-hmm. Uh, this book is filled with it <laughs> sorry to break your hearts but there you go um, i mean we
0: already th- we th- at this point
1: we think bumblebee died so it's like oh yeah yeah and it's cool what he did to bumblebee he's at megatron actually wears bumblebee as like a medallion on a gold chain around his neck it's fantastic it's such an 80s type thing oh it's do. fantastic um so some group of joe's escape uh with percepticon on the ground um Although they seem to be getting captured, but Braun looks like he's kind of saving them and letting them get away by taking some of the fire. Um, and then this is where I was actually introduced to the Insecticons. Uh, they actually pick up some of the Joes and offer them to Megatron for sacrifice, if you will. Because, um, I mean, at this point... It's it's an invasion of Cy- Cy- Cybertron, and the Decepticons have no idea what these you know little meatbags are doing on their planet and <laughs> throwing the green sludge all over the place. So they're like, hey, I guess you guys are coming from that little planet that we're in front of. Um, by the way, we're just going to take it over. By like, the this way. Is the, like, Megatron owns you now. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what that is, which is terrifying if that, actually, if that thing actually exists, because it's exactly what Megatron would do. It would just take over the Earth, and we would nothing we could do about it giant robots. You think the Joes can stop them? So,
0: but how are the creeper bombs coming into effect? Did they just drop in it? Or is that like a
1: final solution?
0: Like, did they start off with that attack? Or are they like...
1: Yeah, they started off with that attack. Okay. Um, that was just like a blitzkrieg on Cybertron. They were just bombing the hell out of things. It was just an invasion. It first started out as, let's explore. But then it was like, hey, n- yeah, no, they attacked us on our home soil. Let's go attack them on their home soil. Okay. um there is one thing i think at icon they actually cover it with the green bomb the creeper bombs and uh that's where the joes actually set up one of their camps uh, they call it green zone 086 um so it's very kind of earthy like they definitely set up like a like a real military camp there they got like watchtowers there's all like a you know the classic tanks and jeeps and stuff you see them there's hangers that they make for their planes and whatnot Mm -hmm. it's just you know what joe's do they invade and set up shop cool so but do the so how's it end like how's uh, this chapter ends uh because this is how the book is how the book is going to leave on this cliffhanger right no not yet there's still a whole nother there's still a whole nother chapter that actually takes place um there's some parts where they go back to Earth a little bit, uh,
0: the battle, or just like, e- like epilogue.
1: I guess it's considered an epilogue. Um, yeah. So there's there's Joes that are in space on Cybertron now. That's Scarlet and her team, mm-hmm. um, and then like Duke and Flag, and Hawk are still on Earth. Um, so things are still happening on Earth. I, I feel like Earth doesn't get wiped out of the series until the second volume there, like midway through or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is like, we get a shot of the Trypticon throne room, which is where Megatron likes to hang out. And uh, the Incepticons are, uh, you know, offering the Joes to Megatron as sacrifice. Um, but all of a sudden, Mirage shows up and uh, Mirage is able to, you know, project holograms, or what have you. So Mirage shows up to save the Joes, and projects a hologram of Optimus Prime, saying that I'm gonna kick (laughs) your butt, Megatron, and Megatron freaks out, and like, realizes that it's Mirage, and uh, a little too late, because the Joes are actually able to escape in Bron, and uh, we learn that they're headed to Metroplex, so that's that's pretty cool. We're gonna see Metroplex later on in here. I
0: do like Metroplex a lot. Yeah, it's just a city transformer. Yeah, it's like a and then Metroplex just, killed Megatron at one point. I think he just in what like, falls and falls Cybertron. He just literally was, did he? Yeah, because Megatron, like, you gotta remember, like, he had like that power and everything, and he was so powerful, and that was like the end of the of the war on Cybertron before they make it to Earth. But it was like uh, he's like, you can't defeat me. I'm like, I am Megatron, and then it's like. The city just like just punches him, yeah, straight into the ground, and kills Man. him. I mean, they bring him back to life because that's how Transformers works, but it's like, yeah, they were like, and hey, we're gonna punch you to death, yeah, as a city. It's like, that was cool.
1: Speaking of coming back to life, um, Wild Bill shows up, so and, uh, the not dead, not dead GI Joe, not dead GI Joe, but uh, other Joes that actually did have names, but it's kind of cool because they. We're getting like shot with like laser bolts. So like their little like little name thing that like pops up on some of the panels. Like mm-hmm. it had like you can't really read it fully because there's like bullet holes through it. Because like it shows like they're just oh they just died. Wait, you know, what's that? Um, I think it's way on. I think it's a little bit earlier in the book too. They show it. They show bullet holes for their names. Or? Yeah. Oh, like right here. Oh, I just lost my place. huh yeah like that like they're joes like they actually are it's like oh we wanted to name them but well i mean like they are they are named like zap is one um short shot is one uh i think that's also shooter is another one um shooter what a fucking name yeah um so yeah so megatron gets bamboozled the breakout happens and back in green zone 086 um the joes had set up traps to try to catch giant robots, and it looks like they caught Wheeljack. And uh, he's just getting encased in this green stuff, and there's just Joe surrounding him, ready to pull the trigger on him. Um, which is kind of upsetting, because uh, Wheeljack, Wheeljack helped him. He was one of the guys in the convoy with Braun. Um So yeah, uh, I think this is going to be the last chapter here. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. I think that'll do it. That'll
0: um. Do. So, like, to recap, who's your favorite G.I. Joe? Who is my favorite G.I. Joe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if I have a
1: favorite. I think I might just go with... Like, actual Joe, <sighs> not, like, favorite character from the franchise. You confused the hell out of me. <laughs> well, I mean, like... Who's like like your said, favorite like, person think, who played Joe versus... No, 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 I think Destro was always my favorite character in G.I. Joe, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it can be It could be a Joe's Cobra side. person. Oh,
0: on, I don't know anyone on Joe's side except Snake Eyes.
1: I always liked Snake Eyes just because he was the ninja with the sword. It was cool. Why mm-hmm. is he not part of the Cobra Commandos if his name is Snake Eyes? Like you would think of all snake puns. like Well, his reverse, Storm Shadow, is... Not, not, a snake pun, not snake pun, and you seem pun. like that would be a very Joe-esque name. Yeah. It's their what opposites. The one's black, one's white, one, you know, they're, they're brothers, one's opposite.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. No, yeah, I get it. Um, I don't know
1: if I have a favorite Joe, any like, either side of it. It was, I guess it really came down to, like, which action figure I like playing with more. Um Ace was cool because like his pilot suit was always like a, like a spaceman outfit. Mm -hmm. Um, It was kind of like Buzz Lightyear. Uh, Hawk. Hawk was, was always a good guy. I was never really a big Duke fan just because it was like so heavy moto that it was like, Oh yeah, of course Duke's going to win. Oh yeah, of course Duke's the the good guy. Mm -hmm. Um, In this book alone, I want to say Scarlet is probably my favorite character out of the Joes. That's the main... He's the redhead. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Your favorite Transformer?
1: That's a hard one. <laughs> um, it is
0: hard, ain't it? I mean, my mine is so easily Soundwave. Yeah. It's hard for most people to be like, oh, that's my favorite one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think... In all of Transformers, I always liked Rodimus Prime because he—he he wasn't Optimus. Like you know, Optimus was like the Goku. Like he was always like you know the Luke Skywalker, the the main uh, hero of the story. But Rodimus was like next in line. Like he was the rightful heir. He was always the guy that. You know, of course, he had the thoughts of like, "Oh, would Optimus do this? Is this the right thing for my people? Should I be leading this?" Like he, Rodimus was always on the right mindset of of everything. Um, he has an amazing character arc in this book. You first are introduced to him as a uh, as pretty much an exiled Transformer, neither Autobot nor Decepticon. Um, and he's got one of the worst jobs. He is, like, caretaker of the smelting pits, so he takes, like, all the, the fallen Transformers that, you know, a lot of times were Autobots at the time, so, like, his people, his family, and after they were smelted down or whatever, he would harness their energy and use that to power Cybertron for Megatron's war and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Rodimus was always, like... In this series, he had the dirtiest tr- job a- any Transformer could get, like think, the lowest of low.
0: I think that's what it was in the fall of Cybertron games where it was like Megatron harnessed all that energy for himself. From other Transformers, Yeah, right? all the, From, you know, you basically, all your forefathers and stuff, and you and he basically said "He like, you know what, I'm just going to absorb all that, and then I know I'll be powerful enough. And I think he went with that, and which is completely fucked up, but, so, just yeah. classic, classic, um, I don't know, classic Megatron.
1: <laughs> it's really cool, in this one, it shows, um, like, a tale from Grimlock, because, uh, you are introduced to Rodimus in this, but, um, they call him, uh, I think, I think he's known as Hot Rod, um, when he's not, like, uh, I guess when he's not affiliated with, the uh, the, de- the Decepticons nor the Autobots um, as just a regular Transformer. He's just Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually introduce him as Hot Rod, the uh, reactor maintenance Transformer. So he's there. Um, you are introduced to Grimlock in this series when they go to Metroplex, when, when the Joes make it to Metroplex. Um, and you're also introduced to uh, um, that one... Uh, oh, gosh, what's her name? She was in one of the movies, uh, Autobot. RC. RC, there you go, yeah. she's in it. And um, Grimlock actually tells the tale of of kind of what happened to Cybertron. Um, you know, Auto- Optimus and Megatron just hated each other. They were fighting. Megatron was stronger. Optimus left and, you know, left uh, Cybertron to Rodimus. Um or you know, left left the Autobot kingdom to Rodimus, but then Grimlock had his whole uprising and was like, "Yo, yo, yo, Rodimus is is nothing. Grimlock is king." So they kind of cast him out. And not the biggest fan of Dinobots. I, I, you know, as much as I thought I would be, um, I feel like it just never worked out. I always liked that they were a lot simpler than. That's not the right word. Um, they dumbed down the Dinobots like. Because they were like, like you know, how, like, like how like dinosaurs should be, but like, like a dumb? dinosaur robot. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I didn't finish that third Transformers movie, but there was like Grimlock, I think, or oh, the shows fourth up, one, yeah. Or sure. whatever. Yeah. Grimlock shows up and Optimus is like riding on him or whatever. Yeah. But if you're thinking about it, like, why, why would Optimus be, why would Grimlock let Optimus do that? Like, shouldn't Grimlock just be like, no, I'm going to go fight this war? But like, no, he's like, um, you know, I guess he can take the order or whatever.
0: Yeah, they they definitely they just give him like no speaking lines. Yeah. I, uh, through rumor because I haven't seen the fifth one. I think they just kill him off in the beginning of the film. Do they? Bummer. Yeah, which is typical. Like I don't know, it happens. Blockbuster stuff. Yeah. But yeah. But he, will, me, Grimlock, Autobot oh, King. God. Yeah. <laughs> you could play as him in the game, but you did know. he have a voice in the game? Yeah. Was it?
1: Like that, but you could like also Stone play. Grundy you could style. also
0: play as uh, four other, or three other Dinobots. You could play as the flying the Tyrannodon, ter- the, the Triceratops, and the Stegosaurus.
1: Oh, they actually show up in this book as well.
0: And the Triceratops is like your typical scout, and the Tyrannodon is the special sniper class, which is also the flying type. And then the Stegosaurus was the truck. Mode leader class and Grimlock was your tank class. But, anyways, um, Sorry, I'm, over here, I'm, just, I'm like, over
1: here playing with Starscream now. I'm over here flipping through the pages. <laughs> it's just a beautiful book, guys. If you can't, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. If this is your first time hearing anything about it, it's uh, it's one of my favorite reads. I highly suggest it hell yeah that's the whole point of this podcast right
0: cool yeah I think uh, I think we're good here I think we I think we bored people enough about our love for Transformers <laughs> so let's go ahead and wrap this one up um, if you don't already you can follow us on all social media at DCU Minute and Mark Meadows and uh, Nate where can people find you you can find me on 2oldmedia.com I do voices for podcasts <laughs> fair enough also check out Tarantino Minute and DC Cinematic Minute and Awesome Powers Minute And we'll catch you guys next time here on Patreon, DC Cinematic Minute. Yeah.